My subject this morning is no condemnation. I'm sure that you have heard that you you can't keep a good man down. Well, you can. You may have heard that, but you can. And the law will do that. The law will keep you down. The law of sin can control the believer and keep him captive. In other words, it keeps him so he doesn't feel like doing anything. Uh, It's a strange feeling, but it comes to most of us. Romans 7 describes the struggle that Paul was having when he was under the law. Paul was a very religious man. At the same time, he was a very miserable man. And the reason that he was miserable, because he felt powerless to be able to keep the law of God. I can't tell you how many Christians today are miserable in their Christian life because they feel that they just fail God over and over and over again. You see, Paul was brought up to believe that Jeremiah 17 was his lot in life. The prophet Jeremiah said, man's heart is desperately wicked. And we hear this doctrine today in many teachings. But what they don't tell you is that the prophet here is speaking about the old man in the Old Testament. Paul said, I know nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. He stated the evil is present in me. He doesn't say that he is evil. He said that evil is present in him. And when he desires to do good, then evil seems to be present. Now, you get the impression that Paul here is describing two individuals. One is good and one is bad. And a lot of Christians feel the same way. They feel that they've got two natures, something's going on in their head, that one is good, they desire to do good, but then the other is bad. Paul is describing here his experience before he accepted Christ as his Savior, when he was under the law. And then Paul, in Romans 7, at the end of the chapter, is beginning to give us some answers to the struggles that he went through. In Romans 7, 23, the Bible says, But I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind, and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. So here we have it. We can now identify where the problem is. Paul says the problem, the location of the problem, is in his body. 
In other words, sin stills, even though you give your life to Jesus Christ, he has come in, he has swept it clean, that is in the innermost part of your core, but Paul says that in the body is the part that is giving us our problems, our issues. Now, sin still remains in the body. It is not in the, the core of you. It's not in your new heart. It's not in your spirit. It's in your body. But you think about it that the body is destined to, to return to the dust. The Bible says it. The, the, the body is not saved. But the Bible says that we will get a new glorified body in 1 Corinthians 15. Our bodies aren't evil but our bodies are earthly. And because they are earthly, because we inherited from Adam, that is where evil can dwell when we open up, when we allow it to happen. And so in Romans 7.24, the Bible says, Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of death? Now, wretched man does not mean that it's an evil man. It means that it's an unhappy man. Wretched man is an unhappy man. Paul is saying that when he was living under the law, that he was unhappy. He was miserable. And then he proceeds to give us the answers to the struggle in Romans 7. Paul is going to show us that the struggle that he described in Romans 7 does not have to be our experience. And the reason it doesn't have to be our experience is because we are in Christ. And so the Bible says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So here it is. There is no condemnation. Now, he says, there is no condemnation. It wasn't that way before, but now, he said, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why is there no condemnation? Because Christ has set you free. In Romans 8, 2, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life sets you free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is over for you. You are saved forever. You are now in Christ. Christ is in you. Christ is eternal. And so are you. No, that rhymed, didn't it? But it's the truth. When we believe that, you know, we can read it. But when we believe it, actually believe it, then we release the spirit of life within us. The truth is, you have been set free. You are married to Christ, according to the Bible. You have a new human heart, indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You are complete in Christ. All of this 
All and all of your sins are not only forgiven, but they are forgotten. Now notice in Romans 8, 3. The Bible says, For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. Now it's important that we focus on what God did. God did it so you wouldn't have to. Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Romans 8.4 says that so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. This is a beautiful description of the gospel, of what it is to have Christ in you. The Bible says the law was weak. It is weak and cannot produce righteousness. It cannot make us good in any way. The law, the only thing the law can do is demand, demand, and demand but it cannot enable and it never will. And this is a good lesson for all of us. It's why nagging a person never helps, never does. In fact, nagging is a form of the law. If you try to nag your husband or wife or children, you will find the same thing happen to them. Nagging will make a person worse. Why? Well, the reason Paul says is that the law stirs up the power of sin. It stirs it up in us. It releases this force. It releases this beast that seems to be within us. And it carries, it makes us carry out things that we don't want to, want to go there. It makes us say things that we normally would never say. So nagging is a form of the law, and it doesn't work. The question that we have to ask ourselves is every day is, who are we? Well, the Bible says that you are spirit. The Bible says that you have, the, you have been born again. You have been born of the Spirit, born of God. And it was because of his righteousness that Christ made you new. You are righteous. It was by the gift of God without you earning it or without you deserving it. The very righteousness which the law demands is fulfilled in the believer, the Bible says. When we believe, you know, it, it's, it's really interesting as, as I go through the Bible. I, I, I guess the biggest question that all of us have, do we really believe it? Do we really believe what God says is true? Or do we just read it and say, oh, that's wonderful, that's, that's great, but do we really believe it? Do we really believe that we are people who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit? The Bible says that you walk according to the Spirit. The Spirit is in you. You are righteous by the gift of God. Now, it also says 
that the law has been fulfilled in us the moment that we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. The problem is that most of us, when we accepted Christ as our personal Savior, we didn't realize what was taking place within us. We didn't realize that Christ dwells within us, that his only desire is to live his life through us. When we believe what God says about us, we will see ourselves in a different way. We will see ourselves in a new way. And when we see ourselves in a new way, our behavior automatically changes. Automatically. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to, we, we don't have to promise God anything. Things just begin to change automatically. In Romans 5, for those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. When you read Romans 8, Paul is making a comparison between the believer and the non-believer. And Romans 8, 6 says, for the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. We have a choice where we set our minds. For the mind set on the flesh is death, the Bible says, but the mind set on the spirit. So we do have a choice where we are going to set our minds. The Bible tells us that if we set your mind on things above, that's when you will go grow in God's grace. If you set your mind on things above. Well, what does that mean? How do we set our mind on things that are above? Well, the Bible says that when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you are seated at the right hand of God. You are seated in the heavenlies. So, we need to start relaxing and see where we really are. If we've already been seated in the heavenlies, that means that we have been saved forever. Because that's our destiny. You are a son or a daughter in the Father's forever family. The Bible says that you are holy and blameless before him. The Bible says that you have become a partaker of his divine nature. So the Bible tells us to think on these things, to set our mind on these things. And what does Colossians say? When Christ, who is our life, do we believe that Christ is our life? Do we actually do we actually grab a hold of that and really believe it? That Christ is our life. Because he is. It's true. And so if he is and if we believe it, wouldn't it be normal for us to allow God to live his life through us? It would be a normal thing for us to do. This is setting your mind on things above. Believing, believing 
that Christ is expressing his life through you to meet your daily circumstances. Now, do we believe it? But we have to act it out. Believing it's Christ doing it through us is by faith. Now, <clears throat> I had a, an unusual circumstance this week, and I was faced with this very issue. I looked out my window, and there was a pickup coming up my driveway that I did not recognize. And I thought, well, who is this coming up here? And so I went out in the driveway, and there was this farmer I hadn't seen in a year. And I had heard about him because in a small town, it, gossip goes quickly. And this man was a sort of a lay preacher. He preached in other, uh, other fellowships. And one time, uh, I was told that he had, he had uh, run off with another woman. And he left his wife, he let her have the house, and he went and he was renting a, uh, some property and he went to this old farmhouse and that's where he stayed and this woman moved in with him. So I had heard about this and I tried to get a hold of him, but I couldn't find him, I didn't know where he was. And so um, here he is now in front of me. And um, he gets out of his truck, and he comes up to me, and he hands me a hat. He says, oh, he says, I brought you a hat. I said, well, thank you. Um, I don't know that I needed another hat, but I'm glad that he, he, he brought it to me. And I says, well, won't you come in? So he came into the house, and then I said to him, I heard about what happened. He says, oh, he says, I'm back with my wife. And I said, well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And then he began to tell me what had happened. Now, he was in a very conservative church. That happened a year ago. And they have shunned him. He still goes to the church, but nobody talks to him. Because his wife goes there and that's her home church. His father hasn't talked to him in over a year. His brother won't talk to him either. And he said that he is totally shunned. And I said, isn't it wonderful that God doesn't think that way? I says, God, the way he looks at it, it's already forgiven. It's already forgotten. He doesn't even remember you did it. I said, I mean, how good is God? I said, and he, and he loves you. And I said, you know something? I knew it was just a matter of time. Because no born-again believer can find peace in sin. You can sin, but you never find peace in it. And then 
We talked for about an hour. And then I don't I I didn't know he he was, you know, just a big old farmer. And I wanted to hug him and welcome him back, but I I just couldn't get myself to do it. And then I thought to my then the thought came to me. Well, I can do it through you. You don't have to do it. So I got up and he got up and I went over and I put my arms around him. I says, welcome back home. And I'll tell you, the difference that it made in that man is unbelievable. Here he was shunned by everyone. And here God says that he wants to live his life through us so we don't have to do it. He'll do it. And what, what a tremendous experience that was for me. And I don't know how it blessed him, but it blessed me. Romans 8, 7. The Bible says here, because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And Romans 8, 8. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Can you please God? Yes. How do you please God? You please God by faith and trusting in him. Trusting in him that he will work through you. Trusting that he has everything in control for your life. Even though when it seems to be out of control. Just trusting him. Remember that when you were born again. The spirit of God set up residency into your home. Into your core. And the Bible says that he will be there forever. You have heard me many times say how important it is that you understand who you are in Christ. Your identity. That you are a child of God. Well, why do you suppose that I put so much emphasis on that? Because Satan, the Bible says, is the accuser of the brethren. Try to act in a manner contrary to how you feel. And you watch Satan accuse you in your mind, of being a phony or being a hypocrite. You know what God's definition of a hypocrite is? It's pretending to be what you are not. What does the Bible say you are? The Bible says that you have a new heart. The Bible says that you are blameless, that you are holy, that you are complete. The Bible says all of those things. That's who you are. But God's definition is pretending to be what you are not. But notice what Satan's definition of a hypocrite is. Satan's description is acting contrary to how you feel. And the Christian church buys into that deception. 
and they sit and they wait, hoping that the Lord will somehow change their feelings so that they can act accordingly without being a hypocrite. That's not the way it works. Listen, we are to act out by faith as if Christ were expressing his life through us, through your personality and bypassing the flesh. When you do that, you would be acting as if Christ actually were your life because he is. You're not pretending. Christ is your life. In Romans 8, 9, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. You hear, you hear people say, well, sometimes I'm in the spirit, and then there are times that I'm in the flesh. That is heresy. That is not true at all. You are always in the Spirit. Yes, there's two ways that you can walk. You can walk according to the Spirit or you can walk according to the flesh. But whatever your walk is, you have been born again and the Spirit will always be in you. Well, how do I know that? Because the Bible tells me I will never leave you nor forsake you. The Holy Spirit will never leave you no matter what you do. But there is no way that you can keep on sinning and make life work. You can't do it. In the first place, you don't want to do it because you are a new you. In Romans 8.10, if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. The spirit is alive. He made you alive. This is a big deal. You have a living righteousness within you. It's real. And it's from a new heart that you received from God. Your heart desires to do the will of God. You don't always do it, but your heart desires to do it. In Romans 8, 11, the Bible says this, But the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Do you see it? Will give life to your mortal body? That's the body you have now. The spirit will give life to your mortal body. And when you give your body, when you give your body to God, that's is all you're doing is saying, Lord, I want you to express your life through me in everything I do. And believe me, he'll make you alive. He'll make your body alive. 
Romans 8, 12. So then, brethren, we are under obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. I want you to notice, it says that we are under, so then, brethren, we are under obligation. What does the Bible mean when it says that we are under obligation? Well, because you have been accepted by God. You are blameless before God. You are totally forgiven. You are complete in Christ. You are not condemned. You are a new creation, the Bible says. You have a new heart. And you're in a family of God forever. Yes, yes, I have an obligation. I have an obligation to let Christ live his life through me. And that's the only obligation that I have. It's just to allow him to live his life through me. And it is a privilege. It's not a chore. It's not a chore. Listen. In Romans eight sixteen, the Bible says this. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. I know that there are many who believe that the work of the Holy Spirit is to convict us of sin. I'm not sure where we get that. I think we all know when we sin. All of us know when we sin. But according to this, the Spirit himself testifies to our spirit that we are a child of God. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. To give you the assurance, to give you everything that you need to know that you are a child of the living God. Now I believe that the Holy Spirit would like every believer to read Ephesians and to know what he says is true. The Bible says the Holy Spirit has sealed you unto the day of redemption. No matter what you're going through in this life, no matter what circumstances that you're faced with, the Bible simply tells you that you are sealed unto the day of redemption and that you will never lose your salvation. It's there, it's sealed within the Holy Spirit and you have nothing to worry about, only to rejoice in the realization that Christ is dwelling in you and desires to live his life through you. I know it's not easy at times. I know that. I know that my flesh rises up and gets in the way. And that happens. It happens to all of us. But what Paul is trying to say in Romans 8 is that you are a believer. You're not an unbeliever. And you walk according to the Spirit. And you do. You do. 
Yes, sometimes we listen to our flesh. We get off track. It doesn't take us too long, and we're right back on track again. Why? Simply because the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And at our deepest core, our desire is to follow God. To do, to have God do whatever he wants to do in us and through us. That's our deepest desire. I've never met a born-again Christian who didn't love God. I met a lot of them that didn't know how to express it. I know a lot of them that didn't understand it. But once we do, God gives us a whole new life, a whole new understanding. In our identity, we walk around, and when, when temptation comes, we say, wait a minute, oh, I'm dead to that. I'm dead to sin, but I'm alive to God. I'm alive to him, and I choose to let him live his life through me. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you for all the information that you give us so that we can know that this is all true. It's all real. That you do dwell in us. That you do live your life through us. We're not always conscious of it, as you know. But Lord, Help us to renew our minds in the fact that all of these things are true. Help us to set our mind on the heavenly things, that we are safe and secure, that we are sealed. Oh, Father, we pray that as we open our life and as we, as we wish to experience on a 24-7 basis, you living through us. So help us in that renewing part. Help us to focus on who we are, that we are a child of yours, and that it is our desire to only have you lead and guide us. So I pray that you will meet the needs that each one of us have. You've promised to do it. So maybe I just want to praise you for doing it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for loving us when some of us have been unlovable at times. Thank you for loving us and caring for us when sometimes we don't care. Just, we just want to thank you for being who you are. And we want to thank you for coming to us and appealing to us. And we will sing your praises throughout eternity because we responded to you. So bless us now. Help us to have a great day. Help us to trust you in every way. For we ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.